Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Monday, February 6th edition of the Basement Academy as we get going on another week. Uh, we're going to be studying our essential tenets again, kind of wrapping up one of our tenets that we were discussing last week and then dive into a, uh, another uh, tomorrow. Uh, just administrative note, uh, if you have not completed your congregational survey yet, if you would do so, we would appreciate that. Leadership would. Um, probably the easiest way, honestly, is to go uh, to the church website uh, where you may be actually watching this. So Basement Academy is going to show up on the left right next to that. It's a series of buttons. You'll see a blue button that says Congregational Survey. Click that. It'll take you to a page that's got a cover letter and a chart of comparisons and the survey itself and a whole set of links that we we put there for your benefit um, so that we're trying to be honest about how we're trying to portray uh, the teachings and practices of our parent denomination. So we would love your input, so appreciate that. Uh, and also in this season of prayer, that you might pray for wisdom uh, and discernment for the leadership and for the membership uh, and all who call themselves part of the Greenwich Church family uh, as we try to discern uh, this moment uh, of our church's life together. So anyway, appreciate that. Uh, let's begin with the morning psalm, Psalm 96. I think we've read this a few times over the last uh, couple of years. Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established, cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. Amen. Psalm 96. Declare among the nations the Lord reigns. And so God's people are tasked with this call to proclaim his sovereignty, his name, his glory, and then salvation in, in and through Jesus Christ. Okay. Last week... Got the, looking at these essentials of the Reformed Presbyterian tradition, God's grace in Christ. 
and then this notion of election for salvation and service. And so God is the one who initiates. We love because he first loved us. That he calls us to life, this John 3 study from uh, last Friday. So kind of left you hanging, and I'm going to leave it to you to ask questions. I'm going to move a little bit beyond that. Okay, I'm going to going to trust that that um, that you're going to interact with that honestly <laughs> and faithfully. You don't have to agree with me, okay? I'm just going to say it that way. Right here, though, is where discussions about election or predestination uh, go awry. Um, the, the traditional position or way of talking about this is Calvinism, okay? Now, Calvin may not, John Calvin may not have been a Calvinist, but that's another story for another day. But there's this reading of Scripture that we have in the Reformed Presbyterian tradition that sees God as the one taking the initiative, God having the first word in salvation. Not that we don't participate, we do. I was there on my birthday. <laughs> I didn't cause my birth. I fully participate in my birth. I don't cause my birth. I, I, I breathe and I cry and I feed and then I learn to walk and to grow and to speak and to do because I am alive, because I've been given life. So with this spiritual birth, new birth metaphor image uh, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus doesn't understand that. How can this be? What, what do I have to do? That's the point, Nick. You can't do it. And so right here's where we sometimes get, get uh, um, kind of bungled up because everything about election becomes, okay, well, wait a second, I can't understand how that could happen. It doesn't seem fair to me that God would choose some and not choose others. Why isn't everybody saved? Why do we even evangelize? Well, the answer to that one is because our Lord said to. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the announcement of his death and resurrection, his name, his glory, that this is the means by which God causes his people to come alive. They hear the name of Jesus and they move towards that because God has made the heart alive, okay? The problem is discussions about election and predestination and how God chooses and how God saves often stop here and they get lost in the mechanics well, how did God do it? And why does God do it? And that doesn't seem fair to me. And that's not at all what Scripture is about. If you read these Scriptures, you see that they are not about theological debates. Paul simply speaks as if this is the way it is. The Old Testament speaks. God called Abraham. Well, why did God call Abraham and not somebody else? Irrelevant. Wrong question. God called Abraham and set him apart and said, I have a job for you to do, Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So God calls him and then Abraham believes after the call has happened, right? So, so God chooses Abraham. Abraham believes God so that, that faith is the expression of his life, right? It doesn't cause his call. It is in response to the call. But election and predestination and salvation are not to be lost in the mechanics. We are elect for salvation, yes, for this relationship, but for service. And that's the point. 
And so uh, the purpose, I've got written on the whiteboard here, if you're listening, <laughs> I've got written on the whiteboard, the purpose of our election and salvation is service, okay? I've got two passages um, laid out there. Ephesians, we studied that last week. Let me just go to verses 8 through 10. The whole passage leads up to this, okay? About you were dead in your sins and transgressions, but God, who's rich in love for you, made you alive. You didn't make yourself alive. God made you alive, raised you up, seated you with Christ. But let me go to verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So the grace and the faith, I believe, are the gift. Not by works so that no one can boast. Again, our election, our salvation is all the work of God. We respond in faith. This is how we lay hold of this, but we're made alive. But here's the key, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's got a job for his people to do. God had a job for Abraham to do. God had a job for Moses to do. God had a job for David and Esther and all these other folks. Calls them, sets them apart, tasks them, okay? And so uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 gives us that uh, language, that notion of saved by grace through faith and we have works to do. That's the service, the election for salvation and service. Uh, let me go back to a, a passage from um, one of the Gospels in, in Mark chapter 10. This appears elsewhere, but, but I like the Mark version of it. They're heading up to Jerusalem. The disciples are kind of getting excited. They kind of sense something's getting ready to happen. They don't fully understand Messiah. Jesus is going to die. They think the kingdom's coming. And so, um, and so James and John kind of say, hey, uh, we've got a little favor to ask. Can we sit on the right and the left when you come into the kingdom? C can we have the positions of honor? I mean, you know, we're the sons of thunder. We're, we're, we're doing your work. We're out there doing it boldly for you, Jesus. Jesus says, you don't understand what you're asking. That, that, is, that is not how it works. Can you drink the cup that I'm ready to drink? Sure, they say. Well, they have no idea what cup he's getting ready to drink, this cup of suffering on the cross. They don't see that. They just think it's Messiah comes to kind of flex his muscles, kind of kick, you know, punch those Romans in the nose, and we're, the kingdom is coming. So they just want, the, they, they think this call to be disciples is about privilege, we get to enjoy the perks. We get, yeah, sit on the right, sit on the left. Yeah, we're going to be there in the limelight. Jesus says, this isn't how it works. And then the others, the other 10 disciples hear of it, and they're indignant, it says. <laughs> then Jesus called them together and said, so this is Mark chapter 2, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 10, verse 42. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, 
but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's it. Jesus is the elect one. He is the chosen one. And God chose him for service. Oh, there were privileges, there were blessings that attended Jesus, right? But he is chosen for a life of service. And so here's where discussions of election fall short. They go awry, getting lost in the mechanics. They fall short of understanding that the call to be in relationship with the living God of the universe through Jesus Christ is to become a servant of the world, to become a servant to the community, become a slave of all, as, as Jesus says here. And so there's a clear pattern that we have in Scripture. I, I've kind of hooked it to this Abrahamic promise and, and legacy that we read back in Genesis chapters 12 and 15. When God chooses Abraham, he says, I am choosing you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless you, and through you, all peoples will be blessed. The shorthand way of saying this is blessed to be a blessing. If any of you have gone through the Bethel Bible uh, series, you, you would know that phrase. Abraham is blessed. He is chosen. He is given God's presence and promises and protection. And so Abraham's family, the chosen ones, we, we call them Israel, right, or the Jews, they indeed are chosen. We, we read this in Scripture. They have privileges, but they have responsibilities. We, we often use the language of rights. You know, we've got the Bill of Rights. Well, let's talk about the responsibilities that attend those Bill of Rights, right? With privileges and rights come responsibilities. There's obligations. There's a duty that attends the delight of, of being in this uh, chosen relationship with God. And so this pattern is there. So even before Abraham, Noah, Noah is chosen, and then he's given a task. Go build an ark. Get your family in there. Scoop up two of every kind of animal. There's kind of a new creation theme going on. And so Noah is chosen to serve the human family and the community. Abraham is chosen, and he has a task, okay? Now go to this place. Go to this land I'm going to show you, all right? And along the way, Abraham <laughs> exercises responsibility for his nephew Lot and uh, other responsibilities. Uh, Joseph is chosen and yet has a task. It's a strange choosing to be sold by his brothers. But God, what they intended for evil, God intended for good. God was in that thing. God had chosen Joseph. He was the favored one. He was daddy's favorite, born as the first son of the beloved Rachel, okay, right? If you know that whole story. Um, so he comes along late in the family, but he gets the special coat. And so he's chosen, he's privileged, he has the father's affection in a way, perhaps the other sons don't. And look, he goes the one who goes ahead of him. Joseph is a foreshadowing of Jesus, betrayed by his brothers to become the savior to the family. In some ways, it's a sweet little study there. Moses is chosen. He's rescued and chosen and kept. And then go confront Pharaoh and lead my people. He's chosen for a task. Aaron and the Levites, the, the priesthood, they're chosen with a task, okay? Um, Gideon, 
uh, Samuel, um, David. David is just out there tending the sheep as the, the, the runt of the litter, the last of Jesse's sons. And finally Samuel says, get him in here. Do you have no more sons? Oh, because I've come to anoint one of your sons to be the king. And so God takes David from the sheep pens, Psalm 78 says, God took him from the sheep pens to become the shepherd of his people Israel. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart and skillful hands. And so David was chosen for a responsibility of leading and shepherding the people. Esther was chosen and set apart for such a time as this. God set her apart. She had an arduous uh, task. Uh, distinct from the community as a, as a Jew. And so time and again, we see this pattern of a, a, a call, a choice, election for a task, for a service. And so this blessed to be a blessing pattern. This is Israel's story. This is the story of the Jews. They are to be a light to the Gentiles, to declare, to de say among the nations, the Lord reigns. But what happens is when you lose touch with the service side of the equation. When you think it's just about being chosen and having the privileges and having the perks, you, 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 the, the, the call shrivels. <laughs> the blessings and the perks and the gifts and the promises are all there to empower and to equip the service or, or, or the task. And so Jesus, as I've indicated, the son of Abraham, the son of David, he goes through Israel's experience. He is baptized. He has his own water experience where he becomes identified. The Spirit comes upon him. So Israel went through the Red Sea. Jesus is baptized. And then as Israel went into the wilderness for 40 years, Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days to resist the temptation, to learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so Jesus passes the test where Israel failed Jesus passes the test, and then he comes to seek and to save the lost. He comes to announce the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is hand. Repent. <laughs> Believe in me. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. All of these statements, Jesus revealing himself to be God in human flesh. Believe in me. And then in that belief, out of that belief, out of that salvation, as Paul writes here, there are good works to do. And so God has called his people, his followers, to himself. He has saved them. He's given us the Holy Spirit. We have uh, the ability to understand the word. The word is no longer hidden. This, this, this mystery is now revealed, this open secret. Oh, I see it now. <laughs> But our salvation is not so that we can enjoy all the privileges, all the perks. We could sit on the right hand. It's to get out there and get busy and to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and, and serve the poor and loose the chains of injustice and to proclaim the gospel, to be the hands and feet of Jesus out in this world. And so this is our calling. So I want to close with with a, a passage that uses this language of election. This is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, his own glory and goodness, <laughs> 
He has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, the precious and great promises, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. This is the salvation part of it, okay? His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness by his glory and goodness. He's given us his very great and precious promises that through them we may escape the corruption in the world. This is the salvation. Come out of the world. Come into relationship with God. But he goes on. For this very reason, because of your salvation, God's call, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. What some call the ladder of faith, moving from faith and goodness all the way up to love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If that is, if you're growing in your faith, in goodness and kindness and love, this active life of service, it will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. By your service, by this growth, by adding to your faith goodness, to your goodness knowledge, to your knowledge self-control, to your self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness and love. As you add to this, as you live into this life of salvation, you learn the good works that God has prepared for you. And so we lean into this and we make our calling and election Sure, we prove, we demonstrate that we are God's people. Not that we're privileged and we're special. It's that God has chosen us to be his instruments in the world. It, 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 it blows our mind. It should blow your mind <laughs> that we are the ones through whom Jesus now works. Individual Christians, but, but together the Christian community in every every land. And so let me wrap up here. This is what we have believed and we do believe at Greenwich and do believe in our Presbyterian Reformed tradition. We think this is essential. We believe this is foundational to the gospel, that we're not only called and chosen and saved by grace and by God's initiative, but he has done so that we would get out there and serve. Let's close with prayer. Father, thank you for this calling <laughs> and may we by your grace live into the fullness of that calling through service adding to our faith goodness and to our goodness knowledge to our knowledge self-control and so on up unto love that the fruits of your spirit and your life in us would be manifest and abundant and the gifts would be operating so that we would be servants not just to one another in the church but to the world itself and so father bless us uh, each of us who, who, who come to hear this message. And may we grow and may we receive the challenge in this call as those who've been called your chosen people. We offer this in the name of the chosen one, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God bless you with a deep abiding sense of your call and this joyful service in his name. Amen.